Everybody welcome Liz back. Thank you very much for blessing us. Um, I believe there may even be, is there going to be a change in the, uh, so Silent Night will close with that, and Joy to the World will just flip where Silent Night is. Well, thank you, sir, for coming and blessing us with your voice, too. We appreciate that. Wonderful. So um, we will finish with Silent Night, uh, and that is appropriate. And thank you to Carol uh, for uh, providing the uh, candlelight for us. And um, hopefully you got trained before you sat down in the pew, because they are awfully complicated. You've got to turn the top, right? So... Uh, but thank you for that. As far as announcements go, um, I don't know that we have any, but I do know that we have some wonderful miracles where God has shown up and delivered people from um, cares and, and corrected health and, and eased uh, troubled minds. Uh, from the care standpoint, um, Carol Keene got wonderful news this last week, in this last Saturday, where um, she had a uh, corneal transplant, and it was going along okay, and then it wasn't going along okay to the point where she couldn't see, and it looked like they might have to redo the entire procedure. Saturday morning, you woke up, and you could see. She could see the ceiling. Ken just like all husbands, went <laughs> so you can see the ceiling. She could see little individual dots and perforations and everything. Her sight has been completely restored. That cornea, uh, it, it laid down the way it was, and it even amazed the doctor. The doctor even said, yes, that was divine intervention because it doesn't heal like that that quickly. So praise be to God, and we're happy for you. And then Miss Jackie, Miss Valerie is doing much, much better, right? In some ways. So she still has a long ways to go, but I understand she's cancer-free. Okay, all right. So in our prayer list, those of you prayer warriors that get our prayer list, please keep Miss Jackie, a beloved mother, and her beloved little girl, uh, <laughs> who is my age about. She's 58, I think, right about now. 57, so she's much younger than I am, and, um, and she is in the battle of her life. She has a wonderful, devoted husband and friends and a mother that is a fierce, fierce warrior on behalf of prayer and the Lord. So um, thank you, Jesus, for answering prayers in the affirmative. And without further ado, we will start with Good Christian Friends Rejoice, and that is in our green hymnal on page 55.
Well, Pastor is playing with his uh, video here right now, so let me just stop that. I'm sorry for, to everybody at home, but you're going to be upside down for a little bit. <clears throat> Will you please stand if you're able? We come together this evening in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called an ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Oh God, you make us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of your only begotten Son, Jesus the Christ. Grant that as we joyfully receive him as our Redeemer, that we may with sure confidence behold him when he comes to be our judge through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good afternoon and Merry Christmas. All three lessons today, the, the Old Testament lesson from Isaiah, the Psalm which follows, and the epistle, the first epistle of John, all have the same theme, and that's the coming of Christ the Savior, his birth. Isaiah chapter 7, beginning with the 10th verse. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now we read Psalm 110 verses 1 through 4 responsively and it's printed in your bulletin. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, the epistle is taken from the first book of John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 16, and this can be found on page 1902 in your Pew Bible. First John, chapter 4, beginning with the seventh verse. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be a savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this evening does come from St. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and can be found in 1497 in the Pew Bible. Matthew records... This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because that is con- what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of, our so- all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. First century Jewish wedding traditions are very different from the wedding traditions that we have today, particularly in our Western culture. Parents during this time and other intermediaries, they arranged marriages. And just as a side note, as a father uh, and older now, I'm all for arranged marriages. But anyway, the groom paid a bride price, a bride price, to compensate the bride's family for the loss of their daughter's services. And the bride's parents provided her with a dowry. And that was intended to provide for the bride in the event that she became a widow. And the wedding ceremony itself Well, it took place on one day, but the couple did not live together for about a year. You see, the groom would leave after the wedding, and he would prepare a place for he and his bride to live. And while the groom was gone, the bride, the bride would be preparing her wedding dress, The couple is what they called betrothed. They are husband and wife, but they have not consummated their relationship. They each live as they did before, except they are both in an intense time of preparation and of eager expectation. And after the groom would finish building the new home, He would return for his wife. And the groom and his friends and his family, they would dress 
like royalty and come in splendor to the bride's home. And when the groom arrived, the bride and her family and friends would likewise dress in royal, gro- royal robes and clothes. They would form a royal wedding procession to their new home. There, the happy couple would preside over a celebration of their coming together. The celebration often lasted a week or more. It was a big party. And this was probably one of the few times that the poorer members of that culture could feel special about themselves. Now, the biblical wedding is a strong metaphor for the relationship between God and his people. In the Old Testament, God brought forth his people out of Egypt. God provided for all of their needs, including both the dowry and the bride price. And the wedding took place on Mount Sinai. But the marriage between God and his people was a really rocky one. The wife, God's people, was constantly unfaithful and cheated on the husband. Even while the wedding ceremony was taking place, the bride was already unfaithful as she worshipped a golden calf. Do you remember that story? Yet, while the wife often complained and accused the husband of being unfaithful, God constantly sought reconciliation. But Israel constantly sought divorce until they found themselves exiled into a faraway land in Babylon. And in spite of all this, God continued to court his wife. He constantly sought reconciliation. And eventually he succeeded. And this time we see Christ paying the bride price on the cross where he paid the debt of our sin, your sin, my sin, And he gave his church the wedding dress of his righteousness. And the wedding ceremony became complete when Christ rose from the dead and showed himself alive to his disciples. And with his ascension, he left to prepare a place for us to live with him forever. And even now, The church is the bride of Christ that's eagerly anticipating the return of her husband to take her home with him. The church is betrothed to Christ our Lord. Now our gospel for today tells us that Mary and Joseph also had that time of betrothal, that time of eager anticipation. Joseph and Mary were both busy preparing for their lives together. And Mary eagerly awaited that time when her husband Joseph would would come in royal splendor and take her to their new home. And all was going according to plan when Mary suddenly left to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And imagine... Joseph's shock when his wife returned and was obviously pregnant. The betrothal could not go on as planned. Joseph thought that he had good reason to be depressed and disappointed and offended, confused, even angry. And his wife, his wife was pregnant and he was not the father. And there was no way for him to take Mary into his home. 
he would have to divorce her. And according to the law, Joseph had every right to have Mary stoned as an unfaithful woman. And Joseph chose not to do that. Our gospel tells us that Joseph was a righteous man, that he would divorce Mary quietly so that she would not be subject to the death penalty, and that he would help her all that he could, but there was no way that they could continue as husband and wife. Joseph was prepared to make the biggest mistake of his life, but he didn't know it. And the church often finds itself in Mary's position. You see, the church has something within her that is very good for the world. The church has the Word of God, the message of salvation. But the world takes offense. The world says things like, What gives you the right to tell me that I'm a sinner? I'm just as good as the next guy. The world says, how can you say that Jesus is the only way? That is pretty intolerant. And of course, we know the world is not like Joseph. And that also many Christians die for their faith. You know, there are, were more Christians, more Christian martyrs in the 20th century than in all the previous centuries combined. And the 21st century promises to be no different. But before we condemn the world, we need to look at ourselves. The world's offense at the gospel often finds its way inside the walls of the church. We follow in the footsteps of Israel and we are unfaithful to our God and then have the audacity to find God's word offensive and, and maybe even seek to divorce him. How, you might ask? Well, for those of you that have gone through the rite of confirmation, listen to the words that you probably spoke or or something that was spoken to you that's similar. These words were, Do you intend faithfully to conform all your life to the divine word? To be faithful in the use of God's word and sacraments, which are his means of grace, and in faith, word, and action to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even unto death? Or listen to the words from our baptism. The words were these. Do you renounce the devil and all his works and all of his ways? All of us. All of us have answered these questions or ones like them. And how did we answer? And how have we kept our promises? Have we found that we may have sent our children or grandchildren to Sunday school, but are too offended by the God's word to attend a Bible class ourselves? When we have out-of-town guests, do we eagerly anticipate sharing the word of God with them? Or are we so offended by God's word that we decide to stay home with them? Are we ashamed to discuss our faith in social settings? Or at work? If we examine ourselves in the pure light of God's word, we must all confess that we are regularly offended by God's word. We are regularly embarrassed to admit to our faith. We must admit that we have broken our confirmation and baptismal promises more times than we can even keep track. 
And we haven't even gotten close to death or dying for our faith. And we, like Joseph, are seeking a way to have a a nice, clean, no-fault divorce. Not from our wives, but from that holy relationship with God and our fellow believers in the church. And how blessed we are that God works to prevent such a divorce. That he works to enlighten us so that we can see that his gifts, his gifts are not causes for offense, but they are instruments for reconciling us with him. Let me explain. You see, God enlightened Joseph by means of an angel in a dream. We read that Joseph, the angel said to him in the dream, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In just one sentence, God reminds Joseph that he is the rightful king of Israel by calling him the son of David. He tells him to take Mary under his protection. And he informs him that his wife has been faithful because what is inside of her is not of man, but of the Holy Spirit. And in one sentence, God answers all of Joseph's fears and he removes Joseph's ignorance and prepares him for a very special vocation. I've got a big job for you, Joe, and I chose you to do it. And in the next sentence, the angel reveals the reason that God used such an unusual way to bring a child into the world. This child is important not just to Joseph, but also to the whole world. The angel said, of Mary, that she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the words of the prophet reinforce the importance by telling us that this is Emmanuel, God with us. And for nine months, nine months, Mary was a living temple. For the temple is the place where God dwells with his people. And God was dwelling in, the, in Mary's womb. In elegant simplicity, the angel tells both Joseph and us that Jesus is both God and man in one person. He tells us that this God-man is the one and the only Savior The Word, the Word from God transformed Joseph. There's power in the Word. And before he heard God's Word from the angel, Joseph is a common laborer who believes his wife is unfaithful. And after hearing God's Word, the Holy Spirit worked through the words of the angel to create faith in Joseph's heart. And by faith, Joseph realized that his wife was the living temple who carried the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, in her womb. And it is by faith that Joseph takes up his vocation as King of Israel to protect and to nurture his little royal family. God came to Mary and Joseph in a way that changed their lives forever. And he also comes to make eternal change in us as well. He no longer comes to us by way of angels and dreams, but he sends his messengers. And sometimes it is in ink on paper. Or it's dots on a screen as we read God's Word in our private devotions. And other times, the messenger is the father or the mother 
who leads the family in a Bible study. God's messenger comes as a pastor proclaiming the word of God to God's people. You, you are God's messenger when you take the good news of Jesus Christ out with you throughout these doors and into the community, to your friends, to work, out into the marketplace. The message of God comes to us through all of our senses. In private devotions, God comes to our eye as we see God's word on page or screen. He comes to our ear as we hear God's word proclaimed when we gather with Christ's bride, the church. In holy baptism, God comes to us in the touch of the water combined with God's word. And at the Lord's table, God comes to us through taste and and smell as our mouths receive Christ's true body and his true blood. Regardless of the messenger God sends into our lives, we, like Joseph, can never be the same again. Before the messenger brings God's word, we are doomed sinners, destined for eternal punishment in hell. Then we were hopeless, we were helpless. And in our despair, we lashed out at God's message and find it offensive. We blame God for the punishment we have brought upon ourselves and only distance ourselves from the one who loves us and wants to save us. And after he comes to us, he opens our eyes and we realize that we are the ones who destroyed our relationship with God. We freely admit that we have earned eternal punishment with our sins and that we have no hope in saving ourselves. That is the confession that we give at the beginning of our service. And it is then that the angel's message to Joseph brings comfort and hope to us. The baby in the womb of the virgin is our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. He is hope for the hopeless. He is help for the helpless. This is God eliminating the distance between us by becoming one of us. He is God's message in the flesh, and in the flesh, he will take the punishment that we earned onto himself. And here, we see the Son of God wrap his glory in humanity. And here, we see his first step on the road to the cross, where he would pay the ultimate price, the ultimate bride price. And it is here that we see our salvation of our God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Here you
when Christ was born. Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed found on page four of your bulletin. I believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. And he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, 
and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us all pray for the people of God in accordance with their needs. Almighty God, by the incarnation of your eternal Son, you revealed that you are love. Give us true faith in Christ and his promise that by his conception, virgin birth, holy life, sacrificial death, and victorious resurrection, that our sins are forgiven and we are yours. Fill us with joy and lead us to proclaim your glad tidings to all people. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, by his birth in human flesh, your dear son took his place in the family of Mary and Joseph. Bless the families of our church and our country that men and women would live faithfully as husbands and wives, loving and caring for their children and nurturing them in the grace of baptism and all the truth of your word. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, your son born in Bethlehem is the son of David and the Lord of David, to whom every knee shall bow. Look upon those you have placed in authority and grant that they would govern in wisdom and justice. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you love us, and you sent your Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Strengthen us to love one another as you have mercy upon all who are poor and troubled, so perfect your love in us that we would gladly be your instrument of help in the time of need. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Lord, in the birth of your Son, you have visited and redeemed your people. Continue to visit those who are lonely, sick, recovering, or near death. We lift up those on our hearts and out loud right now before you. Let your presence be a comfort to them and give them perseverance until the time you grant healing, relief, deliverance, and peace. Lord, in your mercy... Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who feeds us in body and soul, give true faith in your promises to all who will receive your Son's body and blood this night. Sustain your people in humble repentance and godly living. Lord, in your mercy. And we thank you, dear Lord for the saints who received your blessing of righteousness in Christ and now stand in the most holy place before your throne. Preserve us by your grace in the holiness of Christ that we too may dwell in your light and life for eternity through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. And now, may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace now that I made you sit down. <laughs> Merciful Father, we offer with joy and thanksgiving that which you have first given us, ourselves, our time, and our possessions, signs of your gracious love. Receive them for the sake of him who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and ever-living God. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will make all things new in the day when he comes again to judge the world in righteousness. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy... In which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. This sacrament is for all who believe and confess with their lips, baptized believers that confess with their lips that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I heard you. So if you would like, come. The table is prepared. The usher will bring you forward. in with the intinction and so I will give you the body of Christ and say take and eat the body of Christ and then Ed uh, will be holding the chalice and he will say the blood of Christ shed for you dip the cracker dip the body <laughs> not a good pastor the body of Christ into the blood, into the wine, and, um, and then you just per, per, go to your seat <laughs> after that, okay? All right. Yeah.
now you've been fed the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is a means of grace that does rescue you from sin, death, and the devil. May it also keep you in his peace and his joy. Amen. It is easy to get caught up in the trappings of this thing that we've made Christmas. I'm grateful to have brothers that walk alongside me that can admit that sometimes it feels like we've lost sight of the reason for the season. And I even admitted that as a pastor that I don't really like Christmas. Now wait, the reason for that is that all of the things that it's become, I love that we celebrate the coming of the Messiah. I love that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I love that through him we have a place in heaven for eternity. Why? Because by what he did on that cross for you and me, I love the fact that we've been given the power to be called children of God. Yeah, even me. Children of God. Let us rejoice tomorrow as we remember God gave his very best in the form of a child to rescue this world. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we will not be singing joy to the world, but we will be singing Silent Night. And we'll light our candles. Thank you.
great to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too.